0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, July 13th, Friday the 13th, and we're talking about Xiaomi. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Senior Tech Specialist, Evan New. Evan, it's been a minute since we've done a show together. How's your summer been going?
1: It's good, good. Kids are going to Dallas for next week to visit the grandparents, so me and my wife will have nice little breaks and get some actual
0: time alone. (laughs) (laughs) What's the plan for that? Are you going to just do stuff around the house? Maybe take a little weekend trip?
1: I don't know yet. We haven't really We have a friend coming to town actually. um, So yeah, it'll be nice to just hang out with adults.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm actually heading out of town this weekend as well, and so we are pre-taping today's show because I'm going to be on the road on Friday heading up to Boston to visit some friends. So. Just keep that in mind as we talk about recent numbers and recent news. There might be some slight changes to some of the metrics that we're talking about, uh, specifically market cap, as we get into Xiaomi, this new issuance. But I'm glad everyone seems to be having a good time so far this summer, Evan. this name Xiaomi uh, that we're going to be talking about today is one that listeners may have heard of before because they tend to come up when we talk smartphones and fitness wearables. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what they do? Because this is going to be a name that consumers hear more and more, I think, in the next decade.
1: all right So a few years back, you know, Xiaomi used to be all over the news. You know, they're they are this up and coming smartphone maker in China, and they they just were selling so many units. I mean, they they kind of made a name for themselves initially by having these like flash sales that would get tons of people like really excited to buy their stuff and then they'd run out of stock and then just kind of creates more hype Uh, but generally speaking they've made a name for themselves by offering really really good hardware uh, at very very affordable prices i mean we're essentially talking about premium flagship specs at mid-range and low-end price points which you know obviously appeals to a lot of uh, price-conscious consumers, and you know they do have pretty you know, good products that are priced very, very aggressively. So they they've seen a lot of success in there, and at one point they're actually the the most valuable startup in the
0: world. And they are in the Chinese market. The reason we are talking about them this week is because shares just hit the Hong Kong Stock Exchange earlier this week, and it seems that it's been a bit of a rough start for this company so far.
1: Right. So you know the the, uh, the valuation has come down a little bit since those private days. And, you know, right when the, the shares uh, started trading, uh, I think they closed down the first day, which is never something you want to see for any IPO because it just shows that there's not a whole lot of investor demand for the stock. Uh, but then it's been kind of you know, a roller coaster ever since then. It's, you know been up and down a little bit, a little choppy trading. But the company kind of blamed it on, you know, blamed that kind of lackluster debut on President Trump's trade war with China, which is ongoing and just continues to escalate. So all these ongoing trade issues is really kind of – a, a an overhang for what normally would could be a, a momentous milestone to hit the public markets.
0: And this is something that we've seen impact shares of a lot of Chinese big companies. We've seen it with Tencent, we've seen it with Alibaba in particular over the past couple months. Something that's going to basically impact any Chinese manufacturer uh, that, that you know that's big enough to have international exposure. I want to do a quick note for folks that are looking to do their own homework on this company. We're saying Xiaomi, it's X-I-A-O-M-I. It's a little tricky. It's not a phonetical spelling of this company name. Um, So if you're doing uh,
1: that's the Chinese pinyin. It's uh, it means little rice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. That's awesome. Um, They may be little rice, but they are making a lot of money. A lot of people are talking about um, them, kind of in relationship to Apple. There's a very natural comparison there because they're both in the consumer hardware business. Um, But I think they have totally different approaches to hardware and you really notice that when you look at their books.
1: Right, so they've always kind of invoked this like apple of china nickname. Uh, mostly because not because of like like you mentioned that not strategically speaking, which we'll get on later, but mostly because Xiaomi has been probably the most shameless with copying Apple in, in uh, as many ways as possible, really from their product designs are almost identical, their marketing design their marketing strategy and like the way they make the website um, even you know the founder and CEO Lei Jun, um, he dresses like Steve Jobs with like his black turtlenecks, and he even did this like one more thing uh, presentation at one of their product unveilings a couple years back, which is obviously a, a trademark of Steve Jobs. <laughs> so like they have all these ways in which they basically just rip off Apple, and of course companies always denied it. But I mean the evidence is, has been around for years, so that's why I kind of they've they've kind of earned this this nickname, even though he actually doesn't like being called the Apple of China. <laughs>
0: and when we think apple we think of a really premium hardware business and and they make pretty good margins on their hardware the strategy is quite a bit different with xiaomi
1: right so apple i think you know their thing has always been to to focus on product depth as opposed to product breadth which is you know you you take a very small number of products and you just put everything you've got into those developing those products to be the best they can be. I mean, you know, it's pretty crazy that you know there was some article recently that's like you know you can or Tim Cook said recently you can put all of Apple's products onto a, like a kitchen table, and it's crazy that they can you know generate you know 200 plus billion dollars in revenue based on products that you can put on a single kitchen table, and they're all there. Whereas you know Xiaomi takes the opposite approach; they do product breadth, so they they offer something like 1,600 different products. Um, which is just insane. I mean, they have like air purifiers, they have scooters, they have routers, they have TVs. I mean, it's fitness track. I mean, it's like, it's insane. It's, it's kind of overwhelming. Um, but there's a total opposite approach. You know, they just, they just try to do everything at once, which has a risk of spreading yourself too thin. Um, and, and, and on the pricing side, they price very aggressively. So they're trying to really make things as affordable as possible, which is obviously also in contrast to how Apple does it.
0: You mentioned all their product lines. Smartphones make up 70% of the company's top line. They also have a huge bucket, what they call IoT and lifestyle products, which is basically any consumer product under the sun. I mean, it is, it is incredible. You talked about it before, uh, how many different products they make. That is 20% of their top line. So You have 90% coming from consumer hardware, and those segments produce 9% gross margins. The reason for that is the company has made this commitment to consumers, saying, Our net margins, our net profit margins, will not exceed five percent. And if they do, we'll pass whatever we got incrementally back to our consumers.
1: Right. So that's starting this year. They they laid that out in the prospectus thing. You know, that's what we're going to do. Not clear what they mean by that. Like, how are they going to do that? Uh, But presumably, it would probably just mean like bulk cut prices or something um, going forward if they're too profitable. But yeah, I mean, it's basically you know they're trying really hard to. Get get these products into as many people's hands as possible, and doing that with low prices,
0: and that makes sense for a lot of the markets they're serving, right? Like they are big in China, they're really big in India, and these are developing markets where there isn't as established a middle class, there isn't as much disposable income for a lot of consumers there, and so coming out with tech products that are basically two spec what you could be getting for Apple uh, at half the price is going to be very appealing.
1: Right. So I mean, obviously Apple does very well in China, uh, but but not in terms of unit volumes. I mean, they, they have a very big business there. But Xiaomi is, and in, in local Chinese smartphone companies in general do much better than Apple in China in terms of unit volumes, uh, certainly very true in India. So Xiaomi is the number one uh, smartphone vendor in India by volume. Uh, Apple has almost a non-existent share because of these dynamics with you know consumer spending in emerging markets. They just don't have the money to, to buy a $1,000 iPhone 10. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and if you look at kind of worldwide, uh, Xiaomi is gaining on all of these major smartphone manufacturers. I mentioned that this is a name you're going to continue to hear. As of most recent IDC data, Xiaomi was number four by units uh, as of Q1, so they're trailing Samsung, Apple, and Huawei. I think I'm saying that right, uh, but they're gain- Huawei. <laughs> but they are gaining on them pretty quickly. That uh, 28 million units figure during Q1 was good for 88 percent year-over-year growth. In that time, Samsung posted declines. Apple uh, and Huawei posted three percent and fourteen percent growth, respectively. So, Xiaomi is blowing them out of the water in terms of growth rate.
1: They've really bounced back because you know they were. You saw a lot of headlines in 2013, 2014, 2015, as they were kind of growing and their valuation was going up. But then they they had a pretty big hit and dipped in twenty sixteen. So in their they their unit volumes, uh, they did sixty six million in twenty fifteen smartphones. Uh, that dipped to $55 million in 2016, So, and then I think when that starts to come down, the valuation came down too, because that's not something investors like to see, right? But then in 2017, they, they spiked all the way back up to $91 million, so they, they were able to really rebound and recover in terms of their unit volumes by quite a bit there.
0: Thinking about profitability for this business, working with 5% margins in hardware when you have a lot of overhead costs associated with everything you're doing as a business is going to be difficult. I think long term, when you look at this business, it's that remaining 10% of revenue, uh, the services revenue, which they hope will kind of grow and really be a way for them to supplement what they're kind of doing to in- grow out a-, a big installed base on their hardware side
1: right so that's one thing where they do share what apple's trying to do which and, and not just apple but lots of companies like to build these services businesses because you have recurring revenue it tends to be more profitable more visibility uh so they, they have made a lot of progress here growing their platform uh, so their platform is called me ui and they had uh now they, at this point they have about 170 million monthly active users on their platform and that's a pretty strong number um and you know those are people that are, you know, buying stuff, using the services, you know, all sorts of stuff. So the more you can grow that number, and their their average revenue per user on that side is also going up. So you know they are getting good engagement from those users that are spending increasingly spending a little bit more and more money each year.
0: I mentioned the nine percent gross margins on the hardware side. Gross margins for the services is roughly sixty percent. So a little bit more what you'd expect uh, for a platform type business, uh, and that revenue mix is advertising, online games. And some entertainment content, very similar to the services segment at Apple. All of the segments for ja- Xiaomi are posting huge growth, uh, and actually, services is posting the smallest growth, even though it's the smallest segment, which is kind of interesting. So their hardware businesses are doing very well.
1: Right. I mean, they're they're really popular just because again, they just offer so much stuff. <laughs> it's just kind of insane how much stuff they do. <laughs>
0: All of this bubbles up to a, a business that did roughly 17 billion in sales in 2017. I say roughly because we are adjusting uh, to dollars. They don't state their financials in dollars. Um, at a 50 billion dollar valuation, roughly that means they're trading at somewhere in the neighborhood of three to three and a half times sales. Uh, it's it's a big business, Evan. What do you see as kind of the the long term look for them? You know, are they going to be able to make up what they're doing on the hardware side with growing out the services segment? Is that is that kind of the approach here?
1: I think that's what they're certainly trying to do, and they are making progress. Um, and, and I mean, on top of that, I mean, they're also trying to expand internationally. We've already talked a little bit about India. Uh, they they are they've been eyeing the U.S. market for many many years, uh, and I think they might start. You know, selling more products this year, but the, the big challenge is that the U.S. has very strong intellectual property laws, um, and if they come into the, to the U.S. market and something they do just copies Apple or anyone else too closely, they have a big risk of getting sued over it. Whereas China is notorious for having very weak IP laws, uh, which is why you see so many companies in general. I mean, that's why you know, so much counter counterfeit stuff is made in China across all sorts of industries and markets and products. Uh, so that's kind of one of the big hurdles that's always kind of ha- kept them out of the U.S. It's not clear how they're going to address that or what they'll change in terms of you know, to avoid that risk. But, you know, out, beyond the, other than the U.S., I mean, they're, they're now in 74 different countries. So they are you know expanding outside uh, of the U.S. internationally you know, quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Ahead of this show, we actually got a listener uh, question from Colin in the U.K. Uh, he wanted to know a little bit about Xiaomi, sent us some questions, and he also sent us a video review that featured a Xiaomi vacuum cleaner and his dog Sam, which was awesome. I appreciated getting that. <laughs> um, so, you mentioned the 74 countries they're in, and he was kind of curious, You know, what does the international plan look like? They seem to be opening small number of sh- uh, shops in Europe. And you look at their financials uh, by geography over the last couple of years, in 2015, 94 percent of revenue came from mainland China. By 2017, that was down to 70 percent. So their expansion plans seem to be taking root. They seem to be increasingly less reliant on China. You mentioned that they are the number one um, provider by units in India as well. It seems like they're getting outside of uh, you know their core business or their core market. Right.
1: Yeah. So they're they're definitely you know starting to kind of expand a little bit. Um, but I think the kind of challenge is going to be like you know, balancing the costs associated with expanding operations versus, you know, because if you, if you try to do too much too fast, you could blow through too much money and, and you know, might not, that those investments might not pay off. So I think, you know, they, they do need to take kind of a measured approach and, and be really selective in, in the markets they expand into and the products that they expand into those markets. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so far they, they are making progress. I mean, reducing their reliance on just China as their only market.
0: Colin had another question. Uh, he noted that he bought a device sold as a Xiaomi vacuum cleaner, but that it had no Mi or Xiaomi branding on it. And so this is a product that came from one of their third-party ha- hardware relationships, and he was curious how these worked.
1: Yeah, so the they don't develop all of these products in-house. Uh, certainly they they focus primarily on their kind of tech, you know, gadgets like smartphones laptops tablets etc uh, for all most of the other stuff that they sell it's done through this what they call a, a ecosystem of partners and they basically invest in and collaborate with a bunch of third-party manufacturers uh, to you know create and develop these devices but then they kind of some of them have you know they share branding on some of them they don't uh, so you know they do have kind of a, a wide spectrum of these relationships but that, that's where most of these other products actually come from is you know because again, it's kind of hard to imagine them putting a bunch of money into like an air purifier or a scooter or, you know, so they, but they are investing in these other companies. So they do have a stake in them. It's not just like a traditional distri- distribution wholesale relationship where you're just buying it from them and selling it to someone else. They're investing in these other companies. And then some of those are, are being co branded under their me brand.
0: And this is something that gives them ubiquity as a, you know, consumer hardware brand in these markets. I have to imagine though that at a certain point if they don't become a meaningful portion of sales and really continue to grow that it, it turns into a distraction for a business that's primarily a smartphone business.
1: Exactly I mean they're putting a bunch you know quite a bit of money into these things and there, there's something like 200 plus 210 ecosystem partners that they've invested in of which 90 are focused on like IOT smart hardware, lifestyle products. And as we've mentioned before, that's about twenty percent of revenue. So it, it, it's a decent chunk of the business, but it's like, how much do you want? You know, you don't want to put too much in, but it, you know, there is a good you know brand benefit because, like you said, they're, they're ubiquitous in China because they have so much stuff, and their brand is instantly recognizable. Even though other companies are doing some of the legwork with some of these other smaller niche products that aren't, you know, not everyone is buying. Um, but yeah, it, it is. I would just, you know, they don't want to spend too much money on it, but you know, they're, they seem to be doing all right with the strategy so far.
0: Evan, the natural question anytime we do a show that looks at a company's prospectus, because shares just started trading, is, okay, is this something that's worth looking at as an investment? Is this something that I should have in my watch list? There are some hurdles to that with Xiaomi before we even get into business viability, because of the way that they have listed and the exchange that they're on.
1: Right, so they're they're only trading on the Hong Kong exchange right now. Now, it's not clear yet if they'll offer uh, an ADR, which is an American depository receipt, which is where a uh, U.S. financial institution will buy a bunch of shares, just hold on to the shares, and then issue receipts for those shares and the, sh- and the receipts will just trade. That's what a lot of U.S. investors – that's one of the easiest ways for U.S. investors to invest in international companies is through ADRs. Uh, but as of right now, there it's not clear if there's going to be one. So if you wanted to buy one, you'd have to actually go you know, talk to your broker to actually go do an international trading desk and place an order on the international exchange but that typically comes with much greater fees you can have delays in order execution you can have liquidity issue i mean there's just a, a bunch of different little things that are make international trading a little tricky um and i mean and also on the reporting side it's worth noting that international companies use don't use u.s GAAP; they use ifrs which is international financial reporting standards so you know the, the way that they report their numbers is also slightly different uh, so a lot of different things that you know U.S. investors should you know be mindful of if they're interested in this
0: company. Are you interested in this company? Having gone through the perspectives, Evan.
1: <laughs> uh, I didn't go through all six hundred pages, it, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm, I'm not really too into it. Uh, I, I I just don't see it as. I mean, they they they're they're quite successful, but they don't really have the kind of things I personally look for in in a company. I I, I prefer a company that that is a little bit more profitable. Uh, and late June also, there are some corporate governance things that we didn't really get too deeply into where you know, he has a pretty big stake in the company. He has a lot of controlling interests. Um, and I never really like those issues. And we've talked about those before in the past. So you know, there are a couple of things that are keeping me away, but I don't think it's a terrible business.
0: Yeah, I think that this is a company that has a lot of things going for it that maybe a GoPro or Fitbit wouldn't in the hardware space. You know, like they have ubiquity and seemingly like a very strong brand attachment uh, with their offering. I think that there is really something there on the services side, but when they're capping margins to make their prices more accessible, um, you know that only gives them so much cash to operate with, and you see the the precedent that Apple has set with commanding. Really good margins and creating a cash cow business with their iPhone segment, and and I worry that uh, Xiaomi might struggle to do that, particularly because services is such a tiny portion of the overall business. If that starts to change, then I think the um, the interest level for me is a little bit higher.
1: Yeah, that would definitely change the kind of investing narrative for sure. If they can really build up this profitable services business.
0: Yeah. Anything else before I let you go, Evan? No, I think we're okay. All right, enjoy your weekend off. <laughs> Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or just want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out The Fool's family of shows over at fool.com. podcasts As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Anne Henry for her work behind the glass today. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on.